Can you hear me okay? And I'm going to move over this way a little bit. Okay. Um, I honestly don't know why I made notes, because I hope. Um, I just want to pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you for, uh, thank you for this family that um, that you've given me, Father. Just I just bless them, Lord. Um, thank you for the opportunity, Lord. Um, and thank you that that you've given them enough grace to allow me to speak my heart, Father. Um, Father, I pray, Jehovah. I, I pray that that Hunter Green sits down and that the Holy Spirit stands up, Father. Yeah. Father, I pray that uh, that my heart is open enough for them to receive it, Father. Amen. Amen. Um, many of you are probably wondering why I'm wearing <laughs> this shirt, and there is a wonderful cause behind it. Um, I went to Savannah with Brother Wayne, and... He was walking, we were walking through the store, and he had this big smile on his face, and if you spend enough time with him, that is probably danger zone, because it has something to do with you, and it has something to do with the Lord, and he's about to stretch you. Am I right? Amen. And I walked up, and he's got this big grin on his face, and I was like, Lord, what are you doing? And he begins to tell me how he's found these shirts, and how... Um, he has uh, prayed about it, and he just feels like the Lord wants me to get some and wear them. And I bucked, and I said, no, sir, it's not going to happen. And so we sat there for about five or ten minutes and wrestled on whether or not I was going to get these shirts. And I was like, well, fine, let me at least try it on. So I tried it on, and I was like, man, these things are awesome, you know. No wonder Brother Keith wears these. It's like air-conditioned all the time. So, um, amen? Amen. So, um, So we went back over to where they were, and we started picking them up, and I saw this shirt, and I was like, Lord, don't blind his eyes, you know. And when I, when I said that, I felt the Lord, he just quickened to me, Hunter, you are supposed to be somebody, whether you like it or not, people are watching you. Whether you like it or not, you're going to be in the position where you're going to have to speak. Eyes are going to be on you, and you're either going to embrace it or you're not. So you're either going to wear this shirt or you're not. And I said, you know what, Lord? I reckon. So I said, he, he picked it up. Lo and behold, he, he found it, and um, he said, he's like, oh, I like this one. And I was like, I don't, but I'll wear it. And so I put this shirt on, and I began to think about how I was going to tell this story to y'all. And I started out saying, y'all are probably wondering why I'm wearing this ridiculous shirt. And the Lord, he, I, I felt it, and I just felt like he was glaring at me. And he, he, he reminded me of the story about, about Peter when, when God gave him the vision about, about the meat. And he said, what I've called good, it's okay to eat. Don't rebuke it. So I had to repent for rebuking this shirt. And, and when I, showed, I came home and I was actually 
more excited than I thought I was. And I was showing Miss Brandy, and she, she's like, oh, that's my favorite one. And she's like, you know, orange means warrior. And I was like, well, Lord, I'm, you just still cease to amaze me. You know, I, I'm wearing this shirt more, more to, the, to the fact that it was a challenge, and it was basically double dog daring me, and, well, I'm <laughs> going to be top dog, you know. So, but the Lord, when she told me that, I just felt like, I, I'm a warrior, whether I, you know, I want to admit it or not. It's been spoken over me time and time again. So I'm, I'm warring. As I'm standing up here wearing this shirt, I'm warring for the word that I want to deliver to y'all. I'm warring for my destiny. I'm warring for y'all to receive it. And, and whether or not you want to pay attention or not, that doesn't bother me. If you want to get out and I'm speaking to empty, empty seats, I'm still going to be obedient and speak what the Lord has me to speak. So, well, let's go then. Okay, um, I just want to share with you a little bit about um, what the Lord's been teaching me uh, for the past year and still teaching me. Um, I'm not as nervous as I was when I first, the first time I came up here, I was like, oh my goodness, you know. And so I even, like, I've been, I've been studying for about a week now, getting ready for this, and the whole time, I'm like, well, you know, last time, I mean, I was before the Lord. I was on my face, and I was writing it down. I'm not saying that this one isn't like the other one, but there was, there was just peace about it on this one. And I'm excited about it. Um, God has been um, dealing with me a lot about who I am in Christ. And when, when, when Christ was on Calvary, I mean, he did those things for a purpose, and he did it so that we might embrace that and become who we're, we're called to be regardless of what the world thinks. Right, and so that's who um, that that's what God's been dealing with me lately, and um, some of this stuff I've I've taught to the kids, um, to the youth group. Now it's been a while since I've I've taught it, but it's um, it's I mean this this what you're going to hear tonight is stuff I've already told the kids, and what I want the kids to embrace and become, and, and take with them to their grave and say, well, you know, Hunter told me this, and I I, I just I feel. That better be Jesus. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I've always wanted to say that. My youth pastor used to say that all the time. So, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Uh, so, uh, that was heavenly music right there. Um, so, let's just, let's just uh, go in and praise the Lord, all right? Um, I have had this opening for like all all week on what I was going to say, and it has slipped my mind on how I was going to open it. So just praise God. Um, um, Jesus, Jesus called us. We didn't call him, and it's something Brother Wayne has, has taught me from from a long for, for as long as I can remember um, as meeting him. Okay. Um, he, he called me. I, I, I didn't seek him out. He, 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 he sought me. And, um, I mean, the scripture is very clear on that Jesus came to get us and we didn't come to get him. Um, John fifteen sixteen says, uh, you did not choose me, I chose you. And if you look down even further in the, in the verse 19, it says, you were chosen out of the world. And that is why the world hates you. That Jesus came to the world and said, I want him. I want, I want this one right here. And he has chosen you. And that, therefore, 
the world has put a target on you to destroy you. And, and today I want, I want to give you um, a benefit of that. Um, it also says in 2 Timothy 1.9, um, it says, Who has saved us and called us, called us to a holy life. Um, oh, I know what I was going to say before I opened up. I don't, I don't have um, what's a revelatory gift, someone with revelation. I, I want it stirred up in me, and I'm, I'm asking God to give it to me, and I believe that He will. I'm the type of person, what the Word says, I'm going to believe it. I'm not, I, I don't have this gift, not yet, but I don't have this gift yet where I can look at it, and like Padre says, it just jumps out at him, and he just gets, oh my gosh, I've never seen it that way. I, I don't have that yet. I, I have what the Word says, and that's how I'm going to teach it. Um, so my, it's not going to be this big message on, oh my goodness, I've never looked at the scripture that way. It's going to be, I'm probably going to use scripture you've heard your entire life. And I'm okay with that because I'm okay with that. Um, So that was for my sake, not y'all's. So before we were born, Jesus bought us at a price, right? 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Okay. Second Peter two talk it talks about false teachers and it's and it quotes and how they will introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them. And the first time I read that, I was like, okay, well that doesn't make any sense. False teachers who will introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord Lord who bought them. So they're introducing teachings and false garbage about God and about Jesus and then even turning around and denying him. But then the scripture says that Jesus bought even them. That's still, to me, it still doesn't make any sense. And so I got to think it. So regardless of who we are, Christian, pre-Christian, like uh, Graham Cook says... Um, regardless of who we are, Christian, pre-Christian, atheist, Muslim, lesbian, um, the Pope, exactly, doesn't matter who you are, when you were born, where you were born, how much money you have, you were bought, plain and simple. The scripture says it. Amen. Amen? That's good. That's, that, that, that's good news to me. So that means it doesn't matter where I go, what I do, I was still bought. I still have paid, stamped on my heart. So we think about all that Jesus did and went through, and he did it just, just for a simple, simple thing called a gift. Romans, Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift, but the gift, but the gift of God is eternal life, Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Gift. Something, this is, I looked it up in, in Webster's Dictionary. A gift is something acquired without compensation. That's good news. Amen. Yes. Yes. Mm. So is vitamin water. Um, 
So it's like Christmas when you're sitting there and you've got the grandma or the great aunt who comes up and gives you a box and you're just like, I know it's sweaters or socks, right? And so regardless of whether or not you like that gift, it is still a gift and it's still got your name on it. And whether you open it or not, whether you embrace it and wear them nasty sweaters, it's still your gift. Amen? So, something acquired without compensation. Man, that is, that, that, that definition's anointed. I'm telling you, I, I went to dancing when I saw, when I saw that, saw that, uh, that definition. So, accepting Jesus does what exactly? I mean, it, of course, gives us eternal life. I mean, that's what the scripture says. But, but what does it do to us as a person? As a human being with a soul, what does it do for us? It changes us. Exactly. It makes us something that we aren't. I mean, it makes us something that we aren't. Wow. That, I did not say that, by the way. That was the Holy Spirit. Because it's something I haven't even looked at and studying for a week. It makes us something that we're not. I am not... What I'm doing right now is not who I am. I am prideful. Wearing this shirt is not, definitely not who I am. Well, thank you. <laughs> it's high quality. Oh, I love you. But it makes us who, who we're not. It makes, it makes Moses, the stuttering man who was rejected by his own people, to go back to people who did accept him and say, I'm sorry, I'm not who you are, and I need to bring my people out of this. It makes David, who is a little boy, stand up and, and, and slay that giant. And that, I mean, that is, that is what God does to us. It makes us something we're not. But the big question is, who does that make us? I mean, I understand that... that you know, when we accept Jesus, and I'm not, I, I, by all means, I am not saying what Jesus did is less or anything. But I'm going to be very transparent with you. I basically grew up in the Baptist church. And when I went out and went to parties and all this, Jesus dying on the cross just wasn't enough for me. I mean, if you step on your toes, you step on your toes. But sometimes the cross for some people just isn't enough. And I wanted to know what benefit was I going to get out of this? Because you talk to kids, eternal life doesn't mean a hill of beans to them because it's not here. They want something that they can grasp. And so God began to show me who I was with Christ. Not where I was going, but who I was, the here and now. And um, we must understand who we are, what the Word says we are, so we can agree and stand for it. Um, now, I'm sorry if I, if I have to look through this and all this. I mean, I haven't even read over this because I had full faith that God's going to show up. Um, I even sit, went to sit down and read through it, and the Lord's like, well, are you going to believe me or are you not? So I had to shut it real quick. Um, but what Jesus did was awesome. I, I agree with that, and I stand for it, and I'm going to preach it. 
But I want to tell you who we are when we accept that and and who we are here and now. Hebrews 1, uh, chapter 1, uh, verse 1 and 2. It says, In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times in various ways. But in the last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things. Okay? So if Jesus is heir, and God gives us the ability to become one with Jesus, and Jesus comes in our heart and What does that make us? Heirs. Makes us co-heirs. Means everything available to Jesus is available to us. I mean, obviously y'all know those answers, but I want your angels to hear it, so I'm going to read the scripture. Amen. I mean, that is something the Lord just told me over and over. Read the word to them. It's the word that's going to win. So I'm going to read it to you. Romans eight sixteen and 17, if you want to follow along. I hope I got that right. No, that's not, that's not, that's not it. Oh! Oh, there we go. Hey, hallelujah. Turn around, I'm going, what is she talking about? I, how do I turn around? Okay, um, turn around. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so, be that we suffer with Him, that we also may be glorified together. Man, that is good. That is good. Galatians 4-7. Beat you. It says, So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God made you also an heir. Or if you want to read it, Therefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Man, I feel like Shakespeare. That's what King James does to me. When, this, is, this is what Webster says. Heir, a person inheriting and continuous, continuing the legacy of a predecessor. So whatever Jesus did, and we say, you know what, Jesus, you win, I'm nothing, and I, wanna, I want you to be something in me. When we do that, we automatically become heirs. We automatically get the will of God signed over to us and we get to carry on and continue the legacy of Jesus. That is good news. That is awesome. I mean, that that is a good reason to wake up in the morning. When I was little, I told the kids this and they thought it was great. When I was little, I always thought of this as 
I mean, this is just something that popped in my head. When I accepted Christ, this is what I thought happened, that God was this big, huge judge sitting in his courtroom, and I was the you know, criminal coming in there and then saying I was guilty, and Jesus stepping up as my attorney and saying, no, he's paid for, he, you know, he's good, don't worry about it. That's what I always thought. The other thing I always thought was that Forgive me, but this is, this is what uh, a young mind thinks about. But I thought God was a bouncer into a bar called heaven. And I, prom- I promise you, I, I always thought that, that I was standing in line to get into this bar called heaven. And God was this big, huge bouncer. And I would come up there and I'd say, no, I'm on the list. I look, check the list. No, no, honey, you're not there. No, check it again. Okay? And that Jesus had put me on his VIP list. And I've always thought that. And. Well, all the new wine's in there anyway. Yes, amen. So. Um, uh, I don't know why the Lord has put that, but I have always thought about that. It helps somebody. Amen. Um, so in seeing that, um, Matthew 10, verse 8 says, Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. So, so Jesus freely gave us a gift, without something acquired without compensation. He, became, he signed over his kingdom to us. I mean, we are heirs. His kingdom is heaven, so therefore it is ours now. Right? I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's how I'm looking at it. I mean, if my grandfather has a, a land of property and I'm his heir and he signs it over to me, I mean, that property is now mine, right? So the heaven is now technically mine and yours and yours and yours. So Jesus gives us this 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 property and he gives us this power the power to heal the sick raise the dead cleanse the leopards drive out demons and he says freely you have received freely give that's good news too that's the reason to wake up in the morning in Matthew 16 it's, it, it, he's talking to Peter and he gives him the, key, king, the keys to the kingdom so you, you constantly see Jesus doing something, and then he's turning around and freely giving something to the people, to his disciples, and saying, this is yours, I'm freely giving it to you, is yours. So everything, like I said earlier, everything that is available to Jesus is available to us. Um. Let me, I've got something written over here and I don't remember writing it, so I'm going to follow the Lord and see what that says and see what I need to do with it. Right? I mean, one would think, okay. Oh, hallelujah, that's good. Um, 1 John 3 6, please, ma'am. I'm telling you, you got, you got an awesome job. You're on top of it. It says, No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Read that again. 
No one who lives in him, meaning Jesus, keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has neither seen him nor or known him. So if we know Jesus, we, we physically, I mean, I, I, I compared it with the Greek scripture, and it says, it says, if you know him, you cannot physically continue to sin. And, and they're talking about habitual sin. You can physically cannot do it. And if you can, then you've got some heart condition that you need to get checked out by the great physician. Amen? So, the reason, and if you look down in verse 8, and, and we, I remember teaching this to the kids and the Greek, it, it said something and Miss English major over there was like, well, that doesn't make any sense because unloosen, it doesn't mean the same as untie. I was like, whatever. So, um, yeah, but you agreed, so. Uh, if, if you look down in verse 8, it says, He who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. And this is where I want, want to look at. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. And the word destroy in the Greek means lu, L-U-O, lu, luo. It means to untie or loosen. So let's read it that way. The reason the Son of God appeared was to untie or loosen the devil's work. Man, that's good. Okay, yeah, I'll stop there and, and I'll, continue, I'll come back to John 3.11 because I, I can. Because I got the mic, that's why. So what has Jesus called us to be? Gandhi one time said... Whether you agree with him or not, Gandhi had some truth. Okay? He that man, that man can preach. If you read some of his stuff, some it's it's phenomenal. Some of his stuff is out there, but he's got truth in him. Um, he said, I like your Christ. I don't like your Christians. For your Christians are not like your Christ. Man, that hurts me. That that Amen. that hurts me. He also said, be the change you want to see in the world. That's good, too. I don't, that one dropped in me, so whoever wanted that one, you can have it. But he said, I don't like your Christians because your Christians are not like your Christ. Man, that's rough. That, that's hard. That's hard stuff to swallow. And, I mean, and I, I've carried that, that, that quote around with me for a long time, and I've chewed on it, and I'm, I, I constantly say, God, I want to be... I want to be Jesus. I don't want people to say, oh, there goes Hunter. I want to see people say, there goes Jesus right there. Not because I want to be Jesus, but because I want to be Jesus coming through me. So, because what I've done so far isn't good enough, or I wouldn't need him. So, if I go through the streets and I, and I start saying, well... You know, I love you, and, but if I'm not showing them Jesus' love, it doesn't mean anything because nothing... Nothing matters without Jesus, right? So if we look at what Jesus did, Jesus was on, on the cross. What he did was victory. Jesus was a conqueror. He conquered death. So if Jesus is a conqueror, that makes us what? Conquerors as well. I sat in my room 
And I fought with God on to put this in here. And I fought because I just did not feel like preaching on this. On what it is to be a conqueror. And lo and behold, he won. So I'm going to preach it. I, I don't know who needs to hear this. But if you need to hear it, you need to listen. Be- Thank you, Lord. Turn the air off. Jesus was a conqueror. He conquered death. He put his heel on the top of that serpent's head and he crushed it. So if we are heirs of Jesus, we have the same ability to do it. He called us to be fighters. Paul writes to Timothy and even tells him to fight the good fight. Why would he tell him to fight if he wasn't a warrior or a conqueror? I mean, it would, it would seem bonkers if he did that. Why would, why would he tell him to be something if, if, if we weren't called to fight? We're, we're called to fight the good fight. But even more so, we are already conquerors. So we fight from victory, not to it. I got that from Graham Cook. So I, I, quote, I quote people because it makes me sound smart. Um, and I actually got that quote from Dan McCullum, but that doesn't matter. Um, I mean, Romans 8.37 says we are more than conquerors. The Word says that, not, not Hunter. But the Word says we are more than conquerors. Luke 10.19, I got it written down, says, I give you the authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to co- overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Man, that's good news. Everything to me is good news. Everything now, now I've, I've been filled with fire. I'm telling you guys. Anytime I'm talking to somebody and they tell me, you know, what's going on and all this, and I'm excited. I, I think I say I'm excited about 30 times a day because I am. I'm excited about what God's doing with me. I'm excited. Excuse me. I'm excited about what God's doing with with Padre and Miss Brandy. I'm excited about what, what God's doing in Pewak. I'm excited about what he's doing in Jessup. Ah, it's exciting. And when we start to explain to ourselves what we are in Christ, then everything looks greener on this side of the grass, and we don't have to worry about the other side. If we start proclaiming that we are conquerors, if we start proclaiming that that Chris is a conqueror and that she fights from victory. Man, that's good news. So, I'm saying all that to say in Romans 8.37, it says we are more than conquerors. So we either, we either take this book at what it says or we don't. We either take this book, you hear me? We either take this book for what it says we are or we don't. We either believe this, what the word says, or we don't. We either recognize and embrace what Jesus did and has called us to be, or we don't. And if we don't, I'll throw my notes away and we'll go home and we'll eat pizza or whatever. 
Man, I'm excited. I mean, that's what God's, Hunter, you either embrace who you're going to be or I'll leave you alone about it. But if you're going to embrace it, you're going to need to wear orange flowery shirts and preach about something that you don't think you should be preaching. Because I've called you to be something. He's called you to be something. Amen? I'm on my last page of notes. So, and I'm not close to throwing down the landing gear. But I like to get short, sweet, and to the point. I'm raised in Baptist and I'm ready to go by the end of the sermon. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> some of y'all are going, what is he talking about? But, 15 minutes and you're running over. Mm-hmm. Uh, G- <laughs> Jesus, out of all his things, I think the most important thing, if you haven't had vitamin water, you're missing out, truly. Vitamin water is awesome. The main, I, I really think the thing that Jesus called us to do is love people. The greatest miracle that Jesus ever did was love me. I'm not the worst kid. I wasn't the worst kid. I was the worst kid to be around, but I wasn't the worst kid. I've turned down plenty of sins that I could have easily embraced, but I've openly accepted ones I should have turned down. So God, Jesus is, I, I really believe that Jesus, it wasn't walking on water, it wasn't turning water into wine, it wasn't feeding 5,000. Jesus' greatest miracle was loving me. And I'll fight you on that one. Because I know my history, I know my past, and I know what I think in my head, and I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, His greatest miracle was loving me. And if He can love me, then I guess I'll just have to love everyone else. In Mark 12, Jesus says, Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. That was the greatest commandment, he said. He said the greatest, the second greatest was love your neighbor as yourself. Man, that's good. Love your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That pretty much covers everything, I think. Yeah? And love your neighbor as yourself. First John 3.11. I told you I'd come back to it. But I wasn't what I was. Anyway, it doesn't matter. First <laughs> John 3.11 says, This is the message you heard from the beginning. You should love one another. From the very beginning. From when Jesus came, that was, I mean, that was the message he... That, that was his, I mean, that's what sold tickets, was love, love, love. And, and John tells us that. This is the message you heard from the beginning, love one another. This is, I, I looked it up in the Greek, and this is the same love that's talked about in Mark 12. It's the same love that's talked about in John 3, 16. It's the same love that's talked about in 1 Corinthians 13. It's just all the same love. And the love is agape. And that is deep Emotion. Now, I mean, that's the best, the best thing that they could think of 
was to call it deep emotion. I'm thinking deep emotion for some people just to knock their block off. You know what I'm saying? But deep emotion. I read this somewhere and it says that, I mean, this was the best way that they could describe agape love. And agape love is like the love that Jesus had for us so much to die on the cross. I mean, that is agape love. That is true, perfect love. An individual, and I mean, this is the, this is the definition. An individual sees, recognizes, understands, or appreciates the value of an object or a person, causing the viewer to behold this object or person in such great esteem, awe, admiration, wonder, and a sincere appreciation. That sounds like it is a love with no limits, a love with no boundaries. That is the love that Christ had for us. That is the love that Christ wants us to give out freely. Because freely we received his love and freely we should give out his love. And that is something that that God has just been so hard on me about. When I see people, don't use this eye because this eye got me in trouble last time. Use, use, use Jesus and say, and I was reading this book, Black, Red, White, and Green. It's a series, it's a circle series by Ted Decker. And it's a phenomenal, phenomenal book. Um, and to explain it to you, I could take all night. And the best way I know how to, and I've been, I've really, it, you, have to read it. you have to read it to try and understand it at all where I'm coming from. The best way I've thought to describe it is this guy Lord, let me help me explain this. A guy bumps his head and he begins to start dreaming in this other reality while the while his regular reality is is existing. Are you with me so far? If you're not, um, yeah, <laughs> go buy the book. Um, but he's basically in this other reality. The author rewrote the entire book, and it starts out with him being in the Garden of Eden, and everything's perfect with this whole village. And, I mean, God does wonderful things. He one time splits the earth, and things flip upside down. It's an awesome book. But he begins to rewrite it, and then this guy sins, and it crushes everything, and then evil's able to spread across the earth. I mean, it's exactly just like what happened in the Bible. But in the book, he begins to... There's a guy named Justin who is supposed to be depicting Jesus. Are you there in that book? Because I don't want to spoil this. Okay. So he, well, I guess I'm spoiling it for anybody who wants to read it anyway. Yeah, well, Lord. Uh, anyway, so. It's okay because by the time they get the whole world built up in their head. Yeah, you'll completely forget about what I'm saying. Um, so there's a guy named Justin and he's supposed to be depicting Jesus. So he starts so Justin dies, just like Jesus did, and a sacrificial death after a betrayal. But he, they end up having to leave the city, and now they're fighting out of love. As weird as that sounds, he's fighting out of love, and he's no longer doing harm, and he's not cutting and slicing and all this. But anyway, he starts looking at this other group called the Horde, and everything in this book, everything in this world is physical. I mean, whatever is spiritual, I mean, you see it physically. So if you haven't haven't accepted 
Justin or Jesus, you, I mean, you can see the person hasn't, I mean, you can physically see it on their skin. But if you have, I mean, you look like a brand new creature. I mean, you with me so far? So this guy, his name's Thomas. This guy starts praying, Justin, Jesus, let me see these people who haven't accepted you. Let me see them like you would see them. Let me love them like you would love them. And I started reading this, and he's, he's praying to Jesus and saying, Jesus, I want to see them like you do. And it broke my mouth. I was bawling reading this book. And I'm going, God, God, that is so profound. So that has been my prayer. Jesus, let me, let me see these people. Let me see the pre-Christians like you see them. Let me see the Christians like you see them. Give me the grace. Let me see the homeless like you see them. Let me see the lesbians like you see them. Don't please take my eyes out and put yours in. Let me love them like you do. And I begin to practice on this and pray on this. And it is a tough road because it completely changes your way of thinking. It completely changes your attitude and the way you conduct yourself. It's hard. And I started doing it with, with um, Padre and Miss Brandy and even the little ones and Aaron. And I remember waking up one day and it was like 7.30. Miss Brandy came in there and she's running a little late. And she said, do you mind going out there to the trash? Somebody or apparently a dog had knocked the trash over and said, do you mind going out there and picking up? I'd go do it. But I'm running late and I got to get handed to school and I was fine. So I got dressed and I went out there and I, as I'm standing here, there was trash everywhere. I mean, it was, it was within a 10 foot radius circle and all the way down the road, it had been drug. And I walked out there and I was like, no, she did not. Just drag me out of bed. To come pick up trash. And I mean, I was bitter about it. I was thinking murderous thoughts in my head. I was upset. And as I'm picking up this trash, I said, Lord, please help me do this. I am not a morning person. Amen. <laughs> Lord, please help me pick this up. And as I began to pray for his strength to help me pick it up, he said, Hunter, I would be more than happy to help you, but not this time. And I said, well, Lord, why not? And he said, because you did not do this out of love and you didn't do it out of servanthood. And I was crushed. I was thinking, Hunter, how could you do this? And I mean, I was beating myself up out there at 7.30 in the morning, picking up nasty trash with nasty fingers. I mean, I was picking up stuff that I know wasn't mine. And it is, it is nasty business picking up trash, I'm telling you. But I'm out there, and I'm picking, and I did not have a servant's heart about it. And Jesus told me all about it, told me exactly what I didn't want to hear. And it broke my heart. And, but isn't that great when Jesus breaks your heart? Because as soon as he breaks it, he's already trying to fix it. Because when you break an arm, and you don't take it to the doctor, sometimes... Am, am I wrong? Sometimes it can heal 
back the way it wasn't supposed to. So when Jesus breaks it, he's breaking it because it wasn't healed the right way. I don't know why the Lord wanted me to say that, but somebody wants that. And it's right there, just grab it. Um, anyway, so I began to think on that, and I had to approach Miss Brandy, and through the tears and me crying, not her. But, I mean, I was, I was broken up about it. I really was. And I said, Miss Brandy, I just want to tell you that I'm sorry. Forgive me for the murderous thoughts I had against you. Uh, I have no right to think that about you. I have no right to turn down a simple duty of picking up garbage. It was so simple. And it took 20 minutes. It was nasty, but it was simple. Could have been worse. But that, it's, that, was not, that was limit love. God wants us to have no limits. And it's been real trying because in doing this with Aaron, me and Aaron are complete opposite and we don't really agree on everything. And I think that's why I like her so much because it's always a challenge and I like a good challenge. But I begin... She's always told me I've had an attitude problem and an anger problem, and I agree, I do. I have a serious anger problem. Had a serious anger problem. And I began to look, try and approach her with Jesus' love and on the phone, and we'd get, start getting to this argument, and I'd recognize it, and I'm saying, you know, Hunter, just cool the jets and just tell her you love her, and when she wants to talk about it, she can talk about it. And if she doesn't ever want to talk about it, well, then... She can pray about it. And that is tough. I'm not married, but that is tough. And the hardest thing was, is I thought I was doing a good job at it. I mean, I thought I was acing this thing. And I began to talk to her, and she's like, Hunter, you've been different. And I was like, yes, she recognized it. You know, I'm doing a good job. She sees the difference in me. And I get to explain to her what this experiment is. And I was like, how so? And she's like, well, you've just been short. And you don't really want to talk about anything anymore. And I'm going, Lord. But so it wasn't the reaction I got. And so I was like, God, this isn't, this isn't fair. You know, she needs to notice for me to feel accomplished. And, and so, I mean, I opened up to her and I was like, look, you know, I've been trying to to look at you and look at everyone else to the eyes of Jesus. And, you know, I've, I, and I'm, you know, all proud about it. And she's like, oh, well, okay. You know, I, it was basically, I didn't really notice. And later, us laughing about it, she, she's like, no, I really didn't notice. But I'm, I was crushed. And I asked God, God, how come she didn't notice? How come nobody is noticing this? You know, this is a change of heart. This is something I'm praying about. I'm going, God, why? They notice Jesus. Why can't they notice Jesus in me? And I'm trying so hard to express the love that he had. And he said, Hunter, it's not for them. It's not for you. It's for me. You're doing this because I've asked you to. You're doing this because you love me. Don't worry about if other people notice it. It's not for them to judge. And that was a hard pill to swallow for me. Because if I'm going to do something... I mean, I want it to be something remembered. 
I want her to look back and go, yeah, Hunter did try and try and show me Jesus' love. Um, I, that's not in my notes, but um, but I want to read First Corinthians thirteen. We would start there, and this is titled "Love." Isn't that awesome. Start at verse verse 4. It says, Love is patient. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always preserves. Love never fails. That is good news. That is that is my heart. That's where I want my heart to be when when I'm when I'm old. I want to be patient. I want to be kind. I don't want to envy and I don't want to boast. I don't want to be proud. I don't want to be rude. I don't want to be any of that. I want to be love. And I got to thinking about it. Well, there's scripture that says love is God. In 1 John it talks about that. That, that, love, that God is love. And that everything that love is, not what the world has distorted to make love look like, but everything that Jesus did was love and if God is that love and I even I even approached Padre about it and said well you know is this can I think like that can can I exchange love for God and it not get me stoned and he said well yeah I mean that's what the scripture says that God is love so why I mean why couldn't we so I I changed that and I put wherever it says love I put God and I said God is patient God is kind. God does not envy and he does not boast. He is not proud and he is not rude. That is an awesome God. God is not self-seeking. He's not easily angered. Amen to that one. He keeps no records of wrong. God does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. God always protects. He always trusts, always hopes, and always preserves. And my favorite, God never fails. And I I started to think about that and meditate on that and saying, God, you are awesome. You are more than I ever imagined you could be. You could to be. Doesn't make any sense. But God is huge. And we serve an awesome God. We serve a God that is patient with us. That it doesn't matter what we're thinking, that he, that we are on his mind. That's a good thought to have. That it doesn't matter what you're thinking and what you're going through. You're on his mind. And he's thinking about you. If we go on... If we go on in 1 Corinthians 14.1, it says, Follow the way of love and 
eagerly desire or spiritual gifts. I looked up the word follow in the Greek, and it means dioko, D-I-O-K-O. And it means to hotly pursue, hotly pursue the way of love. Like, and the thing I could think of, and I, this is what I expressed to, the, to the, the teens when I taught on this, was it was like a hound dog. That we, no matter where love is in that, in that forest, we're to sniff it out. And we're to eagerly and just, just like a vicious hound dog, pounce on it and just embrace it. Follow the way of love. Hotly pursue it. Be on that love rabbit like a hound dog. And I mean, that is what I want to accomplish. I mean, I want to have so much Jesus love in me that when I walk in a room that people who haven't felt that love can feel it. And if that's selfish, it's selfish. But I I want that love power. I want to be a hippie, if that's what you want to call it. <laughs> but it... That was a bad metaphor. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I am wearing the shirt. But, and Cody is going to kill me again about this, but Cody said something, and it has just rocked my world. And he, I don't even know if he realizes it, but he defined love, and I've already shared this with you. His love, what he thinks of love, is when your heart aches for something. That is awesome. I'm sorry. It is. Jesus' heart is aching for us. God's heart is aching for us. If we can possess... Jesus' love, agape love, a deep emotion where we hold someone up to such value and great esteem and awe and admiration. If we can possess that, imagine what we will be. Imagine what our home will be. Imagine if you looked at your brother or your sister with the love that Jesus had. Imagine how that could change things. Imagine what Jessup would look like if when we went to work, instead of screaming and getting mad and when someone cuts us off, which I am completely guilty of, because I'm ready to get gone and go where I need to go. And when someone pulls out in front of me, it is war. Um, But imagine if we did that. Imagine what Jessup would look like. Imagine if... I mean, just imagine that. If we express the love of Jesus in a way that the world hasn't seen, because the world, I mean, the world wouldn't be in this predicament if if we were expressing the way we're supposed to, you know? I completely jumped over this, and the Lord's bringing me back to it. I mean, I jumped over it on purpose. But if we go back to 1 John, 1 John 3, 9. It says, No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning because he has been born of God. The word seed in the Greek right there, and 
You should have seen the kid's face when I said this. But the word seed there means sperma. It mean, I mean, it's sperm is what it is. And all the kids are like, did he just say that? But, I mean, that's what it is. I mean, and, and so God's seed remains in him and he cannot go on sinning because he's been born of God. So when we accept Jesus and embrace him, we are now children of God. I mean, I, I don't, this is, I mean, I guess this is just to reiterate all the stuff I was saying about who we are and that we're co-heirs. And that's, that's good. It makes me feel good. Um, I don't have any more notes. But I, I mean, I, I don't want to finish. I'm not going to. I'm going to pray, though. Lord Jehovah, we just thank you, Father. We thank you for your word, and we thank you that you're faithful to it. We thank you that it doesn't matter what life looks like that you're faithful. It doesn't matter what life looks like that you're our provider, Father. We thank you that, that you love us, that you're patient, Father. We thank you for your miracles and the destiny that you've set before us, Father. And we accept it, Lord. Father, I just pray over this congregation, over, over myself and the kids in this building, Father, that you give us such love that it fills the holes and then overflows. Father, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you for the great miracle of love. I mean, that's what it is. It is love. It doesn't matter how you cut the pie. It's still love. And it's a miracle. So, Father, we just thank you for it. When I moved here, I was very skeptical about about what God was going to do. And I mean, I haven't been taught on tongues or prophetic words or any of that. I mean, I wasn't... It, to me, it, it was out there in left field and you were... Cuckoo. I mean, I've not even heard of the word holy roller. Somebody told me that and I was like, what the heck is that? I mean, that was even me being here. They are like, oh, you go to the, one of them holy roller church. And I was like... Don't know what that is, but and um, but on moving here, I told God, I said, God, I, I will. It was a struggle, but I told Him, I said, God, I will do my best to follow you the best way I can. Even I mean, I'll fight you, and you know that. But if you are faithful to me. I'll do what, do what you want me to do. And I, I was under one condition that I told God, God, I'll move there, and I'll, I'll fight you and seek after you. 
but you have to save my family. And that was my one condition to God. And I stand here today that God is faithful. It is awesome. My sister called me like two weeks ago. I I mean, I was so excited about it. I told anybody I came in contact with. The first thing I said to Brother Wayne when we sat down for lunch, I was like, you have to hear this story. And I told told Padre and Miss Brandy about it as soon as I walked in the door from having the conversation with her. She got her first prophetic word from the Lord. She was at church and she was standing up front and was praying and she was, Lord was just telling her she needed to let everything go. And she just needed to drop everything and walk, you know, walk away from her garbage and, and basically give him her burden. And she said, Hunter, I fought with him and I fought with him. And she said, I had made up my mind just to leave it alone and not worry about it because he wouldn't be talking to me. And so she went to turn and she said, she said, Hunter, I was in mid-turn and a lady came up behind me and put her hands on my shoulders. And she started whispering in my ear and she was saying, she said, young lady, God loves you and he wants everything for you. But he wants you to lay everything down and just put it away and give it to him and not worry about it and let him carry your burden. She said, Hunter, I have, she said, I have never felt so close to falling over. She said, that word hit me like a brick in the face. And I was like, Kelly, that, that's called a prophetic word. And I began to explain to her about it. But I mean, she's excited. She, she is on fire for the Lord. And it is awesome. And God is faithful. And I mean, she to the point where she, she was talking to one of her friends. And um, her friend was going through a hard time. And Kelly said that she just she couldn't hold it in anymore. Any any longer. She I mean she had she said, Hunter, I felt like I was gonna blow up. She said I had to tell her who Jesus was or tell him tell her about Jesus. Because I mean her friend our friend when we went to the same high school with us, so we I mean we all knew about Jesus and but she said, Hunter, I, she said I, I was I physically could not hold him in any longer and I had to just just tell him. Tell her about Jesus and how God was just came into my heart and I had this big void and he filled the void and now it's just overflowing to the point where I can't even just sit there and let her talk to me about her problems without saying, you know what, Jesus can take care of that for you. She said, I can't do that anymore. She said, I sit and, I sit and work. And the lady starts telling me how she's Catholic and she said, Hunter, it takes everything in me not just telling my testimony. She said, Hunter, I used to, my sister... She was the one who found my brother dead in the, in the uh, bathroom. So, I mean, God have mercy on her. She, I mean, it's, that's a rough thing to walk into, to see your brother in the bathroom. And she said, Hunter, I used to cry and cry and cry every night about that. She said, Hunter, I don't cry anymore. That is good news to me. That is, that is a faithful God. And if he can do that, well, then by golly, I'll just love and I'll follow him and I'll wear an orange shirt and I'll preach and I'll cry. That is, that is good news to me. That is a reason to wake up in the morning. And, and when she, I mean, she called me and she said, I say, I, and she told me this and every time I talk to her and she starts giving me good news 
I said, Kelly, I've been praying for this a long time. And I'm glad God's faithful. And God has now opened the door for my cousin. And he don't know it yet. <laughs> but him and, him and Jesus are going to be homeboys. Amen. So that's my heart. And I want to see with the kids step into who they're supposed to be. And if I, hell or high water, I'm going to make that their way. And so they become who they're supposed to be because y'all have helped me become who I'm supposed to be. So um, that's my heart, guys. So.